Welcome back to the Successful Diligence Podcast. I wanted to make sure that you were aware of how valuable you are to us and me here at Successful Diligence as a listener of the podcast. It means so much that you allow me to provide value through the podcast and that you listen and you show up and you invest your time. It means the world to me and I so appreciate it. One way that you can show your appreciation for the podcast, if you've gotten any value from anything we've ever said um, in Sode, is you can support us financially so that we can continue to provide the value that you've come to know from the Successful Diligence podcast. And it can be literally less than a cup of coffee a day, 99 cents per month. That's less than a dollar per month, all the way up to five, ten dollars, however much you want to give. But as little as a dollar, less than a dollar, 99 cents, that would make such a difference to us. You can go to the show notes and you can click the link where listener support is highlighted. Um, There's different links in the show notes. Or you can go to anchor.fm backslash successful diligence backslash support and you can sign up there and literally it's one time per month 99 cents less than a cup of coffee and yet you would be having an impact on supporting this podcast to bring more value reach more people to have a greater impact in the world and we appreciate in advance any support that you're able to provide again anchor.fm slash successful diligence slash support or you can click the link in the show notes and show your support financially we appreciate it and we thank you in advance Welcome back to the Successful Diligence Podcast. I am so grateful that you're back for another episode. I never take it for granted that you come back and listen to the episodes because your time is your most valuable asset. And I really appreciate you giving this podcast your time. And as always, we are going to provide value, inspiration, and motivation, especially today because I have a special guest who I have to say has the best first name ever. Her name is Michelle Anhang, and you can see why I love her first name. (laughs) And Michelle is a certified life coach who specializes in supporting individuals and families living with mental health challenges, as well as those moving forward after a loss. In addition to coaching, Michelle is a motivational speaker who shares her journey and her story of becoming widowed at the age of 34 when her husband died by suicide. And she shares how she navigated her way through the stigma and shame, as well as her own mental health challenges to rebuild her life intentionally. Michelle, welcome to the Successful Diligence Podcast. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Tell us a little bit about who you are and sort of your your journey, your story. My journey, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll leave it open right so in. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Sure. Well, um, as you mentioned, I am a life coach and I work with um, individuals and families uh, with mental health challenges. 
and those moving forward after loss. And many people say, well, that's a very unique specialty. How did you get into that? <laughs> and so I got into that through my own um, personal life experience. Um, as you mentioned, um, my husband died by suicide. He had been suffering from um, severe mental illness. He had bipolar disorder and a form of schizophrenia. Um, when he was sick, um, we didn't talk about his illness, just the community that we we're in. Uh, it's not one of those things that's talked about. It's kind of like swept under the rug. You keep that stuff, you know, behind, you know, at home, don't air your dirty laundry. So nobody knew he was sick. And um, we had the diagnosis only a couple of years before he passed. And sadly, um, it was already at a point where all the medications, the treatments, everything that we tried wasn't working for him. And he uh, ended up um, losing hope and, and he, he took his life. And, um, when he died, um, you know, as the family was gathering some, you know, one of the family members said to me, well, what are we going to tell people? And, you know, because, well, we, you know, we're not talking about mental illness and we're definitely not talking about suicide. <laughs> right. So it was like, oh gosh, yeah. You know, and it was like, okay, why don't we say it was an accident? And in my head, you know, I was just like, oh, yeah, yeah, let's do that. Because you're in grief. I mean, you're, you're in grief and, and it's so raw at that point. I was in shock still. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. And, you know, and my first thing in my head is like, how am I going to tell my kids about mm. this? Because, you know, they were little, they were seven and four at the time. It's like, I could barely wrap my head around it. Like I, there, there weren't any signs. He didn't talk about it. Um, you know, yes, he was deteriorating. He was very ill. He, you know, his, he was psychotic at this point. So his behavior was completely erratic. Mm -hmm. um, I was worried that he was going to hurt himself or maybe somebody else, but I never thought that he was going down that route. route. Yeah. So, so yeah, it was a complete shock. I didn't know how to deal with it. Of course, there's, you know, the guilt that comes up of like, you know, what did I miss? Could I have done something differently? Did I do enough? Was this somehow my fault? You know, we, we have so many of these feelings. So I was like, yeah, let's, let's do that. So let's say it was an accident. And I carried that for 10 years. Wow. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So yeah, only immediate family and a few close friends knew. And like, I say a few, like I had some very close friends that I had known for years and years that I never told about that. Did and you tell your sons that it was an accident or? No, they didn't know either. No, wow. I, well, they, I told them it was an accident. Yeah. I didn't yeah. say it was, you know, that it was suicide. Um, and yeah, cause it, I mean, it took me months of therapy to even just wrap my head around. I thought you were going to say happened. years. <laughs> Well, yeah. That, <laughs> I mean, but, that's not something that, that, that's not, that's not an event, a life event or, or something that happens to, because it doesn't just happen to the person. It happens to everybody in the family. Yeah. That's not something yeah. you get over. I don't think ever. I mean, I'm, oh, yeah. I'm of the mindset that we're always grieving in our life. We're always on a grief journey, yeah. but, um, oh my goodness. Okay. So yeah, I think it was just like facing that, like, okay, yes, this is what happened. And mm he was this sick and I did everything that I could. And yeah, I remember my, my therapist saying to me, like when, when a person wants to die, they're going to die. Like yeah. you can't stop them. 
and it was like oh thank you like that like though that moment like I can still vividly picture it in my mind of like where she was sitting where I was sitting and it was just this huge feeling of relief of just like Thank you for saying that. Because well, the like, burden yeah. is, is lifted from yeah. you. Because it is true, the responsibility for a person's life is their own. And we yeah. can do everything under the sun. Yeah. And if that person makes that choice for themselves, they're going right. to follow through that. That's yeah. just, it, it is what it is, yeah. as, as yeah. hard as that fact is. Yeah, totally. And we somehow think that, you know, maybe if we love them more, yeah. if we can, you know, fix whatever's wrong, then we, you know, somehow we can, you know, change their, their destiny. And, you know, I learned to know we can't, but, um, yeah. um, yeah. So more than 10 years, I walked around with this lie praying mm -hmm. that nobody was going to ask me, you know, what happened, how it happened, you know, there would be the usual question of like, so how long have you been divorced? And it's like, well, I'm not divorced. I'm a widow. <laughs> and then I'd be like, oh, please don't ask me what happened. You know, because yeah. I don't want to lie again. Because, you know, there's this piece of, of me that was like, you know, I like to think of myself as an honest person. And I do, you know, try to do good. And, you know, and then I'm walking around telling this huge lie and like lying to my own kids. Yeah. You know, oh, and, and like, as like, you know, at the time they were super little, they didn't, they didn't get it. Yeah. Um, you know, my, my older one was seven, um, that my brother had picked them up from school when, you know, when I got the news of what happened, I just called him, he took care of them. So I went over to my brother's, I told my seven-year-old and, you know, he kind of teared up a little, wiped his face and he was like, can I go back and play with the kids? Like being his cousins. And I was like, yeah, go, <laughs> you know, do, yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, and then my little one who was four, when I told him his first reaction was, does that mean daddy's a mummy like on Scooby? do you know that's the only way he could connect with what yeah. dead people are yeah you know, like four-year-olds don't, <laughs> don't get death they don't know what it means to be gone it's like oh okay so you're walking around wrapped in toilet paper you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah because developmentally they don't have that concrete thinking yet so, right yeah. right so it was only a year later when enough time had passed like one day he was just like daddy's really not coming back is he and it was like no he's not and then you know kind of watching him you know, like, okay, that's just settling in and, you know, and, and the kids go through grieving process. Um, each time they develop at a new le level cognitively, they re-experience it in the new way and process it. So yeah, needless to say, they were in therapy for a long time. I was in therapy for a long time. Um, but yeah, they were processing an accident. And, so, so before, yeah. I, I, I have a feeling you're going towards the, okay, when, when I told them the truth, but I want to, mm. I want to, before we get there, I want to go back. Um, if it's yeah, okay. Sure. Tell me about, cause how long were you married? We were married for 12 years. We, wow. we yeah, we, we knew each other since we were eight mm. and, um, dated at 18 and then got married at 22. Oh, wow. Like a sweetheart yeah. story. <laughs> yeah, it really was. Yeah. Yeah. And when he, when, so when you knew him and, and for the 12 years you're married and then all the years you knew him before, was there any indication about his illness at all? You know, in hindsight, yes, like little pieces of information, but we didn't, you know, I didn't know enough to piece them together. And you know, like there, there were signs when he was a kid that he was experiencing depression, but that was back in the seventies. Like yeah. nobody was talking about I was that gonna stuff. Say, nobody knew. 
back in those days, we don't have the resources, understanding research and information that we have nowadays. And so a lot of things are really different um, now that they were back then. So yeah, I was going to bring that up. So, um, because it makes me think of, there's just so much. So, (laughs) well, because bipolar, and I've got friends who are bipolar. I used to, I'm I'm from the mental health field as well. Yeah. Um, So I understand that diagnosis. It's not like and it's a diagnosis. Every, bi- every person who experiences bipolar is not the same. It's, it manifests differently. Right. But then on top of that, to have schizophrenia, which yeah. is, can be very debilitating. And, and it makes me think of that movie, A Beautiful Mind, where you sort of get a peek into what it's like from the person who's experiencing that yeah. um, disease, you know, from, in, from their perspective. And it's heartbreaking. Like, I just, like, yeah. my heart breaks for your husband to, to know... Yeah that he experienced that and he must have felt very alone if, if you all didn't you know if he didn't have anyone to talk about no one understood yeah you know that that experience yeah was there any sort of um like in your marriage were there things that you think of now that are like oh it's probably because he was suffering that we were i don't know like fighting or this experience or that experience like was there any sort of dynamic like that you know it's interesting i don't think um much like you know the I think the illness was kind of low grade mm. for for most of his life it was it, yeah the depression was definitely there um it's hard to say like he he was diagnosed with ADHD and put on Ritalin when he was a kid uh. so it's hard to say like was that the mania showing up or was that a you know like we don't yeah. know like it's so hard um and I only started to see changes after my first son was born. Mm. And I speculate that it might've been like, okay, he could keep it together when it was just us. Cause like he knew I could take care of myself. Like, you know, we both worked, we did our own thing. We contributed equally. So I think he was okay until that point, but then suddenly a baby comes into the picture and you are t- responsible for this child's life. And I think, you know, again, I'm speculating, but that's when I started to see him unraveling a little bit. Like he was an amazing, loving dad. This guy had the biggest heart you can imagine. Mm. But I think the responsibility piece might've scared him a bit because that's when things started getting a little wonky. But again, like they were little isolated incidents that it's hard to tell, you know, was that it manifesting or was it not? Then, you know, over the next, you know, three or four years. Yeah. Then it was just like, okay, something's up. You need to go, you got need to go get checked out. Like there, there's, there's something persistent happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. But again, it was like, you know, he never talked about having voices in his mind um, until, until after the diagnosis. I don't think he even realized because, you know, thinking about it, um, he, you know, he shared with me after the diagnosis, he was like, oh, I think, you know, that explains what I'm hearing in my head. I think he just assumed that's the way the mind works. Well, for him, that's all he knew. That's his experience. Right. And so right. when, when all you know is what you know, <clears throat> excuse yeah. me, when all you know is what you know, it's, yeah. you know, why would you even think anything's different or strange? Right. Because right. Oh, everybody thinks like this or everyone yeah. hears voices or, yeah. or what have you. Um, so I, I just... There's so much I want to ask you and I'm, 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 I'm like, okay, so you have these beautiful 12 years, right? Yes. And then the unimaginable happens. And then on top of that, now you have the burden of this lie that you are walking around telling people, how did you 
maintain your own sanity and functioning while you're grieving. You've got this burden that it's it's almost like a backpack. You know, the lie is like a backpack with a rock in it. (laughs) I I call it the backpack of shame. Yes. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And shame is debilitating. I mean, it's shame of any kind. And I've had to to journey out of shame myself. So I I know that that rock in that in that backpack. Um, how did you function? How did you take care of your sons and be there and, and work and, and be there for yourself if you were yeah. even? Yeah. Um, so autopilot <laughs> is a gift and a curse. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, yeah, I just, I kicked into autopilot. Like I, I had to stop feeling and, you know, and I was already in that space. Like, as I mentioned, you know, it was, it was about two, two and a half years before he died that he got the diagnosis. And I think getting the diagnosis kind of gave him permission to stop hold, like, you know, he was holding it all in and pretending and acting a certain way. So then it was kind of, you know, okay, now I can spend three days in bed if I'm having a depressive episode. And so, you know, he, he stopped working. He was on disability leave because of the illnesses. And so I was working two jobs and taking care of both my kids, um, pretty much on my own because he was, he was not functioning. So I was already on autopilot at that point. And it was just like a continuation and one more thing to add to the backpack. Right. So, um, yeah, I just, I didn't think, I didn't feel, I just, you know, when he died, I said, I have one chance to do things right with my kids, you know, in my head, you know, I was, I was very logically thinking like, okay, statistically speaking, they've got a lot up against them having their dad die at such a young age, being raised by a single mom, you know, all the, the financial things that were coming with it. And we were not in a good financial space at the time. And, um, so I just thought I need to show up for them, yeah. but showing up for them, you know, was not showing up in the healthy way that I know now. It was really just, just keep doing, you know, yeah. put them in therapy, put them in sports, you know, do this, do that. It was all action-based, right. um, which was really all I could do um, because I, I, I shut down. So like, you know, I, I think it's Brene Brown who says like, we can't shut down certain emotions. Like, if you shut one down, you're shutting everything down. And that was me. And I, you know, I wasn't living. I was really just go ahead, do go to your job. Don't ask questions, be grateful for what you have, which meant I settled for a lot of things because again, you know, when you're living with all this shame, you don't, you know, I didn't feel like I deserved better. So it was like, okay, I have a job. I don't really love this job, but you know what? I have a job and it's secure. I should be grateful. So I wasn't dreaming. I wasn't. I should be loving. grateful. <laughs> I should. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, not that I am grateful. I'm telling my, yeah, you should be. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, a lot of that and a lot of isolating myself, like, you know, I didn't, I, I didn't let people in because I didn't want to get vulnerable and let any of this out. And, you know, I thought that was the real me. Like that was the thing that I began to identify with that story. And I thought, okay, this is who I am. And I need to wear a lot of different masks, you know, and it was like a mask for this and a mask for that. And, you know, because heaven forbid people should find out what I'm really about. And so, yeah, a pretty well, yeah, dark place you let, to live. If you let people in, you'd have to tell the truth, which you yeah. weren't doing at that point. So yeah. when did the lie 
sort of get exposed? When did you, when did you rectify that and tell the truth? Um, about what so, happened? Yeah. So around, so I had taken my first coaching course, um, you know, and it's just like a, a weekend course. And, and this is my, my big aha moment. Like, you know, of course, you know, I'm there in like, you know, a room full of empathic people and there's so much sharing. So I'm crying the whole time, you know, just because of course, also when you're holding in all this stuff and like, you know, I didn't let myself grieve either. I was just like, okay, shut it down. Just keep going. So of course, you know, tears leaked out at, you know, anywhere and everywhere all the time, like in a boardroom, you know, but so here I am in this room with permission to let it out. And so I'm bawling the whole weekend. And then at the end, the, one of the instructors, you know, in their closing words said, don't just tolerate life. And it was like, <laughs> just hit me, you know, the heart, the gut everywhere. And I just, that I lost it in that moment. And it was mm. like, oh my God, I'm tolerating everything. Well, it gave you language for your experience. Yeah. 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 And yeah. And I just, I realized like, wow, I am tolerating so much of my life. Like, and that's, it's like, it's, I'm not living. I'm just like putting up with things. Right. And, and it was also like, this was just around my 45th birthday where it was like, you know, mid midlife. And it was just like, oh my God, I'm in so much pain. I can't, I can't live like this the next half of my life. Like mm. I, this is just, this is too much. This hurts too much. It's like, yeah. the way you know, like I, I was having episodes of depression that I didn't even identify fully as depression because I was just, yeah, like completely closed off. Well, also and, when, yeah. when you're, one thing about emotions is it's, it's part of you and it's energy and experiences and all that you are, it doesn't go away just because we don't acknowledge it. And it doesn't right. go away just because oh, yeah. we don't tell the truth. So your body holds on to trauma and oh, yeah. it will manifest in different ways. And your body will not allow you to forget until you get to a place of forgiveness. And that's when you can allow peace and, and kind of move forward and release yeah. that. But your yeah. body for what was it, nine, 10 years was holding on to this yeah. trauma. And then on top of it, you were lying. And so you were numbing yourself and not allowing yourself to yeah. function in truth. And you were surviving and tolerating, you know, all of the things that you knew in your gut yeah. because you said, I should be grateful. So you knew yeah. that there was more and you yeah. knew. And I think sometimes for women and for people, when we tolerate and we lie to ourselves, it's almost like a double whammy. It's worse than when someone else does it to us because we know we can do better by ourselves and we deserve yes. more at yes. our core. We know that. And so when we yeah. don't give that gift to ourselves, it's almost like, not only do you have the rock, now you've got like, you know, the mountain in the backpack, right, you know, right, and right. it weighs you down. So yeah, don't just tolerate life. That was the yeah. sort of the key that opened that door for yeah. you. And then what happened next? So once, once you finally were like, wow. Yeah. Um, so that's when I did a deep dive into therapy and you know, it was, it was interesting because I had done therapy on and off from my early twenties. You know, I had some childhood stuff that I needed to work through and, you know, and, and different things. And it never occurred to me, like, it's funny how you just get used to a certain way of living of like, Hey, um, maybe this has something to do with it. I was just like, Oh, it's my mom issues. It's my dad issues. It's this. And like, yes, it was all that too, but I wasn't actually dealing with it. Um, like for what it, what it really was. Um, so yeah, at this point, and, and I love what you were saying about, you know, just 
knowing that we deserve better, wanting better. I knew I wanted more for myself and I never knew what that was or what it looked like. And so that was a hard thing too. And I also, part of me didn't know if I deserved it. So, you know, there was that piece of like, well, how do, you know, like, I, you know, and I coach my clients now, I'm like, okay, what's your goal? Where do you want to get to at the end? And they're like, I don't know. And I'm like, well, how do we know we're going there? If we don't know what we're what we're right. reaching for, you can't so get that, somewhere if you don't have the end as the right. destination. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so I didn't know, and that's why you know during all that time, I I knew I wanted more, but I didn't really know what it was to know the steps. So at this point, I was like, okay, I need to go back to my therapist, and I need to do a really deep dive. And, and so we did, and we really dove into, into shame. Like that was the big piece. Um, you know, and, and of course, you know, like there were childhood wounds that I had that allowed me to adopt all that, that huge backpack of shame that I was carrying. So I had to work through that early stuff. Um, and then slowly kind of work through, um, you know, why and I remember my therapist even saying to me like I don't understand why you have so much shame like you are such a great person I don't know why and I'm just like I don't know it's just the way I've been my whole life yeah I don't like that question like that when you when I don't like that question because it almost sounds like I don't know why do you have that like well I don't know it's <laughs> because just it was like, like <laughs> yeah no 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 and I get that I get that but it was just literally like you know week after week for months where it was just like, oh, and then there's one more thing. And then there's one more thing. She's <laughs> like, oh my God. Like, you know, basically, yeah. Like, why are you okay carrying all this around? Oh, I got you. So, yeah. Because yeah. I, and what's striking me throughout your entire, like, as you're sharing the, the, the theme that I'm, I'm getting, well, not, well, not the theme. One of the themes is that you did not have permission from yourself to function as you deserved and, and to yeah. even explore that. Yeah. But also like when you, when, when you, when he first took his life and you went to therapy and then you said it was shorter, like your kids weren't there for longer, but you were not the person you needed to be yet to be able to face that backpack yeah. and unzip it yeah. and look in and, Oh, that's what that is. And, and unpack all of that. Right. So you almost had to, as part of your grief journey was you had to go on autopilot so yeah. that you could become to so you could come to that place where you were strong enough because yeah. when you first have a traumatic event it's difficult to process because even you know your brain is not really understanding your body is responding there's so much right. that goes into trauma work and you know i i give you so much honor for allowing yourself to go on autopilot and then that when that key opened that door of you know, that the word tolerate, you know, yeah. and opening the floodgates and then saying, okay, you know what? I need to go back to therapy. Cause you could have, you could have just kept going. You didn't, you didn't necessarily yeah. have to do the work. And so yeah. I love that you gave yourself permission to do that. Yeah. And then you dove in, which is not easy because working through all of that is not easy. So talk to me about how did you support yourself during that process of working through all of that? Ah, uh, good question. Um, it, you know, it, it was actually for the first time reaching out for other, to other people. Mm. And that was what, um, what the coaching community gave me. Um, and what I started giving myself permission to kind of just branch out um, before I was even ready to talk to anybody I already had relationships with. 
I needed to start with new people and I needed to, um, you know, find people that I felt I could trust and, and kind of test things out with new people before I was able to, to go to the people that I knew, because, you know, then it's just like, Hey, I've been lying to you all this time. So it's, you know, there's this confessional piece of just like, <laughs> Hey, guess what? So like, yeah, yeah. but also <laughs> everything you thought you knew was wrong, <laughs> <laughs> but you're also becoming a different person when you process yeah. um, and heal and yeah. move through in, in your journey, you become a different person. And so yeah. I find that as well is that having new people who don't have that history of you and don't have that sort of pre it's I mean they they know you as a certain person and when you're becoming a different person you almost need to go to a different you know space a different arena to people who don't know you to practice that new person and and understand who you are and accept and give yourself permission and and work through all of the things and then you can go back and resolve okay with the people that that know you it's yeah. so true. And, and an added piece too, is that everybody in my world that I knew from, you know, growing up all kind of lived that same way that I did of like, okay, we don't talk about these things. Mm. So like, even when my husband died and the few people that we told like, okay, we're saying it's an accident. They were like, yeah. oh yeah, of course. Like th- that, like nobody said, no, don't do Nobody that. challenged it. Yeah. <laughs> nobody. No, it was all, it was all agreed. Like, okay, we're all doing this. Like, sh- this is the plan yeah so so I kind of needed to find people that didn't carry that same story Mm. and that um that you know that were modeling for me openness and tolerance and authenticity and acceptance yeah the new narrative exactly but you know for me it really like it started at the place of utter so much like utter agony Mm. It was, I think, more agony than courage (laughs) than just like, you know, because yes, like you were saying about manifesting physically, a hundred percent it did. I had, you know, a skin condition that, you know, is a hundred percent related to the stress of it. I had um, a neck and shoulder issue that actually came about around the time I was like 43, 44, Mm. you know, this chronic pain that it was like, okay, this, this has something to do with it. And, um, so yeah, it was really a matter of, of like, I can't take the pain anymore. And that's what had me do it. Um, and yeah, then just slowly, you know, sharing little pieces of myself in spaces that I felt safe to do it. Yeah. It strikes me because it's almost like, and I always talk about paying attention. That's like my, (laughs) that's like my thing. Um, but you were not paying attention consciously, but unconsciously as manifesting through your body, your body was paying attention, your spirit, your soul was paying attention. And when you finally got, which tells me that you're extremely strong because if you went that long, you know, being able to function like that, and then your body finally saying, okay, we have to deal with this. We we cannot ignore this anymore. Um, And giving your, it, your body almost gave you permission. Like we're going to break down and we're going to crush you so yeah. that this wine can come out of this grape because we've had enough. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. That's awesome. And, it, and it's, yeah, it's so true. It's like, I, I feel like my, my body and my soul were screaming at me. Yeah. I'm just like, seriously, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so talk to me about when you told the truth mm. to your kids. Okay. Um, so I, yeah, so I was already slowly opening up, you know, doing the therapy, 
doing the coaching program, which, you know, for anybody who's done um, a coaching program knows that there's a lot of personal work done because you're, you're practicing coaching and being coached all the time. So yeah. it's, you and know, it's you're always, therapy. it's not, it's not therapy. It's, it's different. very different. Yeah. But it so is very intimate. <laughs> it's very intimate and, and your stuff comes up. Yeah. And like coaching is about, you know, where are you today and where do you want to be? So yeah, you're, you're working through old stuff because it keeps getting in the way of where you want to be. I mean, I, that, right. that's for all of us. Like we all have our self-limiting beliefs to one extent or another. Mine just happened to be, you know, like <laughs> way up there. And um, so at this point, I had, um, I had signed up for a leadership program hmm. because I knew that I was getting in my own way. And I was like, okay, if I do this leadership program, which I knew was very like a really like in-depth 10-month boot camp of, you know, working on yourself um, so, and, so that you can fully show up as the leader that you want to be. Well, yeah, because you, you can't know, give to other people what you don't have yourself. Exactly. So you've got to do the work first. Yeah. So this was a 10-month program. There were 24 people in this program. We would go away. We, there were four retreats where we went away into the mountains for like a week at a time. Wow. Just like literally shed, shed the skin that you're wearing and then rebuild yourself intentionally each time. And then in between each of the retreats, um, you know, weekly calls, projects, work. So it was super intensive kind of blows everybody up into the open of like, you know, your stuff, which was great, um, yeah. you know, and in a very loving place. And so that's where I was really able to say, guys, this is where I'm at. This is what's going on. And, you know, this group of people loved me at my worst and wanted to see me at my best. And I felt like they were, they were my safety net. And so, you know, one day at one of the retreats talking to one of my instructors and he was like, you know, you need to tell your kids the truth. And I was like, I know, but my plan is to tell them when they're older, when they have kids, right, they, like, you know, really? like, right. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, I, w I want them to, you know, have their own kids to understand why a mom would do that kind of thing. You know, like mm -hmm. it was, you know, not, not very courageous side of me, but, well, um, but, but human. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yes. But I was just like kind of putting it off and, and, you know, and that was the other thing I was always like, if they ever ask me directly, I will tell them the truth. And of course they never did because the universe didn't want it to happen. Well, and why would they ask so, you directly? It's not in their, in their right. Well, they, yeah. Like, cause we never talked about details. They didn't mm -hmm. know, you know, they just knew it was an accident. That's kind That's of right. period. You know, like yeah. not what kind of accident was it a car? <laughs> was it not? Was it, you know, like, so, um, so yeah, he said that to me and it was like, okay, fine. I'm, I'm going to prepare myself. And so a, a lot of time spent with, with this group of people just like, okay, how am I going to do it? And I should also mention, I was still in therapy while I was doing this program. Hmm. Also what we were, you were mentioning about, you know, just the, the way trauma gets stored in your body. So I was doing regular talk therapy I was doing rolfing, which is fascia release to release mm -hmm. the trauma from, from your body. And I was doing EMDR. Okay. Yep. All at the same time. Wow. Oh my <laughs> I goodness. know. Oh yeah. I, I, when I say I was done, I was done. I was you like, I would do dove for real deep dive. I don't recommend that for everybody, that's, that's but intense. it worked for me. It was super intense, but it was also 
so healing. Like it really just, um, well, you were ready for that at that point too. You had gone so long, you were ready for that. You needed it. And what's funny to me, well, not funny. What's fascinating to me is that even at your worst and in that, that dark place, you were still intuitively aware of what you needed as a person. And you did gift yourself that you did give yourself permission yes. to heal and to move forward yeah. and to deep dive into this intensive season. Cause Oh my goodness, I can't even imagine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and so that, there, there, there was a, a core of love for yourself in there that was there. You just didn't, you didn't access it, you know, for all of yeah. the years. I didn't, I didn't recognize it on the surface. There was a lot of self-loathing um, and, you know, and I know you asked earlier about, you know, my self-care, like, and, and I was not taking care of myself at all. Um, and so, yeah, at this point, it, you know, I was already, you know, I feel like the love that I was getting from all of these people who were supporting me really mirrored back to me what, um, you know, they, I, I was seeing through their eyes what they saw in me. So it helped change the narrative and and my story of who I am and what I deserve and, you know, and through their words and through, through all of that. So, um, yeah, I finally reached the point, you know, after doing all of this stuff (laughs) or during, um, where I just said, okay, here's the date and, um, and I'm going to tell my kids. And I, I did, uh, you know, Sit right before we had dinner one night, we're sitting at the table, and I just said, "Guys, I got to tell you something." How old were they? And they were eighteen and fifteen at this point. Okay, yeah. So it had been eleven years. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, cognitively, you were, I think, a little bit more comfortable that they could process yes. it. Yes, yes, yeah. At this point, um, I yeah, I had that belief. I also knew that, you know, if anything came up, they were at an age where they can now talk about it, you know, work through it in therapy if they needed to. And, you know, and I was terrified. I'll I'll be honest. I, my biggest fear through all of this was I can't lose my kids. Like Mm -hmm. they, you know, what if they hate me? And, you know, and that's a real fear that it very well could have gone that way. Um, But but it didn't. It was actually the complete opposite. It was a beautiful moment. I was, I was very matter of fact. And I just said, you know, I wish I had done things differently. I didn't. Here's the truth. Mm. And um, they, they understood. They said, you know, we wished we would have known, but we get why you didn't tell us. And um, I answered a lot of questions for them. I was going to say, did they have questions? <laughs> oh, they had a lot of questions. Yeah. And it was interesting because both of them had a, like, they didn't think it was suicide, but they had a feeling that it wasn't an accident. Mm. You know, my, my older one um, just said he just had this hunch all along that yeah. there's something he, he didn't know. My younger one said that, you know, he had realized like, actually, I think just like that prior summer that he was like, you know, occurred to me, like, I don't know a single detail about what happened. And like, we've never talked about it. And so this, this made a lot of sense to them. And, and it was, it was very healing. Um, and it was good to be proven wrong in that moment of just like, wow, like, again, the shame, the fear, you know, that, that inner critics voice, 
can be downright nasty. Oh and, yeah, and it's amazing how yeah. oftentimes when the, it's almost like the thing that we fear the most is so anticlimactic when the truth comes out. Oh yeah. And oh, it's yeah. like, and then you're like, well, why didn't I do this before? Right, I know. <laughs> but I mean, that's part of the journey. I mean, that's yeah. part of the learning and the growing and yeah. the journey. And um, so you answer the questions, you tell, and then did anything shift after that between you and your sons? Yeah, so, you know, I mean, I, I made the commitment to them. I said, like, I, I will not lie to you again about anything. Like, it's, you know, let's, we're going to be straight. And, um, and so, yeah, it, it definitely shifted and opened up our relationship more. Um, and interestingly, and thankfully, it gave my younger son permission to share with me that he was, was concerned that he might be experiencing depression. And um, so we got him checked out and they did diagnose him. And, you know, it opened up the way that we could have conversations about it as well. And just, you know, talking about, okay, what do you need? You know, now, like, and again, having done all the work on myself and learning how to take care of myself, because at this yeah. point it was, you know, I, I gotten much, much better at self-care. So yeah. it was like, it was knowing like, okay, my cup needs to be full mm -hmm. so that I have what to give. And then, and just, and creating the boundaries, having the conversations. And I'm not going to say it's perfect. It, you know, well, nothing is, I don't believe is. perfection anyway. It, it, right. <laughs> perfection doesn't exist, but, yeah. but it's. It, but what a gift you gave to your son, the permission yeah. to say, I'm not okay. Yeah. And especially yeah. for boys, that's not easy, you know? Yeah. So what a gift. I mean, that, that is beautiful. That, that, is, that is a testament to what I always say is that you have to tell the truth. Yeah. Because it's going to come out, number one. The truth doesn't change just because you don't believe yes. it or deal with it. The truth is true. It, it, it is. Right. So when you, when you embrace it and you deal with yeah. it, then you can build that foundation that is strong and solid and will last and you yeah. can almost weather any storm as long as you're Completely. in truth. and it's so much easier yeah like, you know, that's, <laughs> right right yeah like thinking about all the different stories that were built you know even around the time you know around how my husband died you know we didn't give any details because like we were not in a space to be making it up and of course everybody's kind of searching for like you know their way to explain what happened so yeah tons yeah. of stories about what happened to my husband because well, you want to resolve it so you know right yeah and so people yeah exactly and so yeah it was just so much easier and it's it's just kinder it's kinder to ourselves yeah. it's kinder to the to the other people you know just like okay this is what's here you know it's definitely not always easy to have the courage to be truthful about a difficult conversation yeah truth is messy. it's not easy Truth is so messy but um yeah i i remember um a quote that that came up a lot in my leadership program when we were talking about like you know what we call leading with other and so if it's co-leading if it's about managing but just interacting and it's risking love for the sake of great or of deeper intimacy mm. and so and that's really you know what i've been living by from that time of just like okay yes i risked my relationship with my kids you know, but what came out of it was, you know, a completely different type of relationship with them where now, you know, they're 21 and 18, you know, we're very open and honest with each other. We don't always like what the other one might be saying, but, but it's true and honest. And, you know, and I feel that we now have that, you know, kind of create that space for each other to just like, okay, 
I don't love what this is, but this is his truth. And I'm, I'm happy that he's able to share that with me, that he trusts me with that information. And I honor that. And, and for that alone, even if I don't like the information, I'm honoring him. And so it's, it's such a different way of being in relationship. Yeah. I mean, your whole mindset, your whole frame of the world just completely shifted through your journey yeah. of healing, which yeah. is tremendous that you allowed yourself to, to take that journey and dive deep and, uh, and take yeah. that backpack off. Yeah. Talk to me more about the self-care. So how did you learn how to care for yourself and what were some of the things that you did? Um, so I, I needed the mindset, mindset shift you know, just, um, the idea that I do deserve to, you know, it's not like I should be better to myself. It's like, I actually, I deserve to be kind to myself. Um, you know, there, I, there's a, a concept that I, I, I teach a lot of my, my clients that, you know, I say when it comes to self-care, be your own best friend. So really just holding that, that because like we set such a high bar for, on our, for ourselves and we are so hard on ourselves and so just even noticing the way that I talk to myself mm-hmm. you know I think that yeah. for me was was the was the first aha moment of like oh my god I'm horrible to myself I would never and you would say never say that to someone else right right it's like oh my god like <laughs> why do I talk that way to myself that's awful like I knew why like and again childhood stuff of just right. you know not being spoken to very kindly you know, as a child. And so that was, that became my inner voice right. and realizing like, you know, it doesn't have to be like that. Like I can be my own best friend. And so it was really growing, you know, I, I didn't become my own best friend overnight. It was like, okay, first I was just, you know, a neutral acquaintance with myself. Well, relationships don't happen overnight. Cause really what, right. I mean, what's powerful and profound though, and, and listeners, I want you to catch this is that the self-awareness piece comes first acknowledging, telling the truth, being aware, and then allowing yourself to do the mindset work because it all goes back to your mindset. And I always say, we talk to ourselves more than anyone else in the entire world for our entire lives. And your self-talk, your language, your narrative matters because everything else stems from that. And I love what you're saying that the relationship to yourself with yourself is just like a relationship with someone else where you meet the person, you get to know each other after 90 days, the mask comes off (laughs) and the real you shows up. And then it's like, Oh, I got to deal with all the baggage and all of this. And what is that? And accepting and loving and forgiving. And I mean, all of that, you have to do that with yourself first before you can do that with anyone else. So I absolutely love that, that, um, I've never heard it that way. And I I love Mm -hmm. that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and reminding myself to be patient. Mm. You know, because of course we all want to be on the other side as quickly as we can. Yesterday. <laughs> and yeah, yesterday. Yes. <laughs> yes, very much so. And so just, you know, again, and that, that lends to the kindness Yeah. of just like, okay, I'm noticing this. I'm going to shift it, you know, and that, like, I wasn't going to like, oh, sweetheart, you're fine. You know? like, yeah. It was, it was kind of like, I don't need to say it in that way to myself. Well, you remove like, the judgment. Yeah. And that, yeah, like, that I think, neutralizes yes. the, the shame response or that negative yeah. response. Yeah. When you intentionally and purposefully take out the judgment. I'm not going to judge it. I'm just going to acknowledge yeah. it, be aware of it, and then I can change it, but I'm not going to judge it. Yeah. And, and mindfulness mm. is a big piece of that as well. Um, and that was that was a, a big piece of my, um, 
my healing work as well is just that, that awareness and just receiving it as information, you know, just saying, okay, this is information. Yes. I bully myself. Okay. Interesting to know. And then, yeah, yeah. And, and then shifting slowly of like, okay, I just said that to myself. What, what's a, a less harsh thing that I could say? And then kind of moving and shifting into the, the kinder pieces. And then the actions followed after, after that, you know, because once I'm kinder to myself, it's like, oh, I can allow myself to take a break. Yeah. I don't need to hustle all the time. Like I was still working in, um, in my finance job. I was, I was there for 10 years. So even though I had um, done all the coaches training, you know, again, I wasn't quite at the point of, you know, being ready to leave the job. Mm-hmm. And then just saying like, you know what, I, I'm not happy here. This, this isn't where I want to be. I deserve to have a job that I, I love doing that I wake up every day and I'm excited to work. Yes, you do. And we yeah, all do. <laughs> we all do. <laughs> and like, and again, it comes back to like, life is so much easier when you let yourself be happy. You know, like the, the amount of time that we spend like punishing ourselves or guilting ourselves, you know, giving to other people when we have nothing to give, like that's a hard way to live. And so many of us are just conditioned from wherever that, you know, that that's the way, the right way to be, but it's so hard. And yeah. so realizing like, oh, it doesn't have to be that hard. Like I can leave that job and I can follow this dream. And so, yeah, I left, I left my job. I didn't quite know, like I didn't have a practice set up yet. I was, was not quite sure what I was going to do, but it was just like, you know, I deserve to give this a try. I deserve more. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Yeah. We are actually um, at our time, which is okay. incredible. Yeah. But what that means is that, because I know there's so much more we haven't talked about. <laughs> so we yeah, have to yeah. have you come back on if that's okay. We, we I would love part to. Yes. <laughs> part two. Um, yes. But before we leave today's episode um, and conversation, tell me like one, one to three things, lessons um, or concepts or, or one to three things that you really want to highlight for the listeners that you took away from this, this journey from mm. trauma and despair to healing and courage and permission. What are, what are things, the, 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 like one or two things that you really want the listeners to walk away from this conversation with? Ah, good question. Um, for one thing, we all deserve better. Mm. Like, you know, dare to dream. Like we're, you know, as, as hard as life could feel or seem or whatever stories we were told, like we all deserve a happy life. And so know that, um, support, support is so key. And often we find that we don't have somebody to talk to, or we think we don't have someone to talk to. We're ashamed, you know, we're living and we are so blessed to be living during this time where there is access to everything on the internet. So there's a support group for literally everything. So if you feel that you can't talk to the people around you about whatever it is that you're experiencing, that's pain, you know, causing you pain, find the people that you can talk to. They are out there. And and it's amazing that when you open up to that possibility, how many people can and will come into your life that are open to that. So, so just look for it, reach out for it. Don't give up just because the immediate people that you know might not understand. Um, and 
a third one i think it's just yeah live live your truth live your truth it's so easy that way <laughs> or easier it's not always easy but it's easier and it's a heck of a lot easier like there's there's freedom there like that yeah. that for me is like you know my number one word is i just say like you can be free yeah and truth really does equal freedom because yeah. you're not living in deception. And when you live in reality and you live in truth, then you know what you know that you know. And one thing that has been um, coming to my mind throughout this whole thing, especially as, as I reflect on you being who you needed to be at the time you needed to heal and, and, and what you needed came to you is that, and it's a truth, that whatever we're seeking is also seeking us. And even yes. if we're not consciously aware that we're seeking it, but you were seeking healing and relief yeah. Yeah. for years before you gave yourself permission to actually accept it and, and take that journey yeah. towards it. Yeah. And so I just encourage you listeners, whatever you're seeking is seeking you, but allow yourself, even if you're unconscious about it, just keep walking. You know, I yeah. always say keep walking because you will walk out the journey that you need and you will yeah. get to be the person that you need to be to experience whatever it is you need on your journey and you know re-listen to this episode and be encouraged that you yeah. don't have to do it alone you're not the only yeah. one and nothing is too dark to come out of yeah yeah baby steps yeah Once well it seems <laughs> yeah and that's it like it seems like what i did of like oh my god that was so big but there were thousands of baby steps well, we're talking about a new one conversation. Point. This yeah. took you years, <laughs> you know, yes. we're, yeah. we're combining years of yeah. conversation. So, yeah. Uh, well, Michelle, I'm, so, I love saying Michelle, it's such yeah. a great name. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm, I'm so honored, number one, to know you now and to be connected. And I don't believe in accidents. And so I just oh, I no. love that we're connected now. <laughs> Me too. I'm so grateful you agreed to come back on because we did not even touch the surface about the next sort of phase yeah. of your journey, which is incredible also. And so I want to, I want to bring you back on to talk about that. And I'm yes. just so, I think I'm really, really grateful for your ability to share and, and display courage in sharing your story, because there's so many people that don't talk about suicide. I mean, you know, obviously, yeah. uh, as we've mentioned, and there's so many, um, there's so many spaces that are not open to that conversation. And I think, yeah having you here and having the listeners, you know, experience your journey and, and share with you and, and you sharing with them has been such a, a blessing and an honor. Mm -hmm. And I just, I'm so grateful that you came on uh, to share with us today. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm so grateful to be here. And I'm excited to have you back again. I know. Another great conversation. So <laughs> listeners, be on the lookout for part two of this conversation. And as I always say, listeners, keep walking. Always keep walking. You will reach your destiny. You will give yourself what you need if you just keep walking one day at a time, one choice at a time, one step at a time. And on the journey, always, always choose gratitude. Oh. I'm not sure